Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Daniel Richardson. It is March 4th, 2022, and this is Daniel's Horror Talk. Uh, man, is this me or is this world just getting crazier and fucking crazier? Uh, I don't know if you guys are listening to this now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now or just where the fuck this ends up at, but right now, the Russians have invaded, you know, the Ukraine, and it's weird because, you know, Ukraine, they're part of this, you know, United Nations and the EU and all these other little fucking committees, and it's like, as soon as they got, you know, invaded, they're asking for help, and all these groups got together, including our nation, you know, United States, and all we did was take a vote, and the vote decides if we're going to go talk to them or not, the Russians, and ask them politely to step away. And apparently they passed the vote, and that's what we're going to do next, is kindly ask them, what the fuck? Like, seriously, we are universally in agreement, like one of the few times that almost every nation on this planet uh, is on the same page, that, yeah, Russia's the bad guys, and we're taking this long to, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. I'm telling, I'm saying right now, just get the Ukraines out of there, tell them to back, pull back, just evacuate, and we just fucking bomb the shit out of them. I mean, the place is already being destroyed anyways. It's not like, you know, I get it, you know, I get it, you know, dropping the bomb is not what you want to do, but at the same time, it's like, well, worked in World War II, just saying, just saying. You know, say what you want about Trump, and I don't want to get all political here, but it's funny, like, back when he was president, and he was, you know, shooting his mouth off to North Korea, and everybody was freaking the fuck out. Oh my God, he's he's pissing off North Korea, they're going to start a nuclear war. No, they didn't, because they're pussies, and they didn't do shit. And so, he ran his mouth, North Korea's like, we got nukes, and he's like, yeah, so do we. And that was the end of that, and they never did a fucking thing. And now... It's like everybody's just being polite. It's like, dude, fuck Russia. Just start bombing the shit out of them. And I know it's not the Russians' fault. It's the military. Well, start bombing the military then. Start dropping nukes on military installations over there. Boom. They'll shut the fuck up really quickly. I'm sorry. I, it just, it's been eating me up inside this whole thing. It just, ah. It's like even when there's like a common enemy, it's like America still fights with itself. I don't know. It's just funny, though, because yeah, I'm seeing all these liberals post like, oh, my God, you know, these, these brave freedom fighters, these Ukraine. And it's like, I agree with you. Yes, these brave freedom fighters. How do you think they're fighting over there, by the way? You think they're using guns or are they, you know, fighting with poetry and mean tweets? No, they're fighting with guns. And it's funny how every liberal is like, well, it's different. You know, they're, they're fighting. It's like, well, yeah, it's not much different. People over here stock up for the same reason. So something like this doesn't happen. We're just lucky that, you know, we don't really have any neighbors that are, you know, we got Canada and Mexico. They're not doing shit. They're not doing shit. But guess what? If they decide to step, I think America would take them down. So there you go. I figure no one's really listening to this podcast anyway, so I'd fire off of a hot topic right off the bat, and then I'll go right in the whore after that. So take a drink. Uh, so anyways, like I mentioned, it is a Friday night. This is a... March 4th, and in this day in horror, uh, Fulci released The New York Ripper. Who remembers that one right there? You know, it's one of those that don't get a lot of talk, I swear. When it comes to Fulci, it seems like all his zombie films kind of get you know brought up. But I don't know. I don't hear too many people singing the praises of The New York Ripper. It's kind of sad. 
Kind of sad. So we got some uh, new horror films coming out this week. Uh, or sorry, uh, this month. And uh, I'll just kind of rattle off a few of these here and give you my thoughts on them. It's funny. Uh, the one that came I actually watched a trailer for earlier uh, in the month was uh, Unwelcome. And I don't even remember what the fuck that trailer was about. It got literally just it, it, it blanked it. And I didn't want to just look it up because I felt like, ah, I should be honest. That movie left, that trailer left no impression on me whatsoever. Completely blanked it. No idea what Unwelcome is. Don't really care. But the three that I watched uh, this past weekend, we had an uh, off-season, which looks like it's going to be a Shudder original or exclusive. I'm not sure what the difference between a Shudder original and a Shudder exclusive is, but either way, off-season. And it seems like, you know, they're basically, uh, it's a couple going back. I, guess, I think her mom just died or something like that. And there's some, they got like bury the body or it's something like that. But once I get to this uh, little island, there's no getting off. And I'm like, yep, that's usually how it goes right there. Uh, this looks really creepy and it's got my boy Richard Brake in it. So I am all about it. Uh, the other one is X, directed by Ty West. Uh, basically, um, they're making a porno down in Texas. And the people who find out they're making this porno don't like them making pornos. But instead of asking them politely to leave, they end up just going hog wild and trying to kill everybody. At first I was like, why is it just called X? I get it, you know, rated X, but it's like triple X. And I was like, oh shit, that's a Vin Diesel movie. And then I was like, well, let's take an X off that. Like, nope, can't have double X because that was like some kind of feminist horror film that came out a couple years ago. So X, just, just X. So, you know. Is what it is, but uh, this you know this looks pretty good. Uh, I should have said something about off season. I didn't really give my thoughts on off season. That trailer looked pretty creepy. I'm all about it. It's coming to Shutter, so I won't have to pay much for it. I mean, except for my monthly you know subscription. But uh, and X, uh, it looks all right. It looks like it's my least favorite of this group. This grouping I'm throwing out there. These three, uh, but you know what? Uh, I don't know. Ty West, he's pretty good. I like the Sacrament. Uh, and oh, was it the House of the Devil? Is that the one? I liked it. Uh, so yeah, no, I'll, I'll check it out. It looks interesting. And the last one, if I'm pronouncing it right, it's Uma. I think it's Uma. Anyways, uh, basically it's a Korean uh, mother and daughter, and you find out that there was a grandmother in the mix, and they're bringing the ashes there, and this stirs up all kinds of emotion in a Sandra O oh, who plays the mother. And so anyways, it kind of messes with her and she ends up just like breaking the urn. And then when she breaks the urn, uh, shit just literally goes everywhere. Cause it, haunting, crazy, spiritual, spooky craziness comes out. Uh, this reminds me a lot though of, uh, what was it? The replicant replica replica. The Relic, that's what it is. Sorry, I'm getting my movies mixed up here. It is Friday night, people, and I had, to, I had a long day to get this podcast going. and uh, I'm doing this a lot later than I, I'd like to. But anyways, uh, no, The Relic. And I just wonder if this is going to be just like another metaphor for like mental illness or dementia or whatever. Uh, the Relic was pretty much that. At the end of that, you find out. I mean, it's, it's, it's a movie that stands on its own with its own demon or whatever, but... This is a big parable for, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia, one of the two. I don't know what the difference really is between the two. but uh, And I, I'm watching this, and I'm getting lots of, like, relic vibes from it. So it kind of got me wondering, like, is this, too, just another kind of – is it going to be a big metaphor, like, for family, you know, mental illness that gets passed down generation to generation? Because that's a big thing in the movie. You'll see, um, you know, Sandra O. Oh wasn't happy with her mother – 
but then her daughter isn't really happy with her as well. So it's just like I don't know. Uh, but you know, it looks it looks interesting. I think off season looks like the best of the three. Uh, Uma's definitely number two, and I, I'll, I'll check it out. You know, it looks interesting enough, but. They didn't give me a lot in the trailer, which is a good thing. I don't want to know the whole movie on the trailer. I hate when they do that shit. So, but uh, so yes. Anyways, those are the three uh, films that's coming out soon uh, in the month of March. So be on the lookout for that. So we gotta go back now. Uh, so to the future, I'm getting caught up on uh, Chucky right now. Uh, I just finished, and I know I. So I watched the first three episodes. I think I mentioned this in a previous uh, podcast, but. I watched the first three episodes, and I'll be honest with you, it just didn't hook me. I just, it, I don't know. I couldn't get into it. wasn't really feeling it. But I kept hearing how amazing this show was, and it did seem like the kind of common factor, the thread in everybody's uh, review was, it gets better. Like, by time, you know, once it gets to, like, a midway point, it just, there's no letting up, and it just keeps going. And so I knew I'd return eventually. And like I said, when I watched the first three episodes, it was just very, eh, uh, you know, I love, you know, Chucky. I love, you know, Brad Dorf back as Chucky. I didn't give the remake of Chucky that much shit like a lot of people. I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought Mark Hamill did a decent job. Uh, again, I took it for what it was. It was a remake. Uh, I was okay with that. However, uh, you know, I am a huge fan of the original more and the original timeline more. I do like this storyline, so I'm glad they didn't, you know, can it. And that's one thing I was wondering about. I didn't read a whole lot of reviews when it came out because I didn't want to have anything spoiled for me. But I did know that, you know, Jennifer Tilly came back and uh, oh, Fiona Dorif came back as well. Uh, Nico, I think is her name in the show. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, are they going to continue the storyline from the movies? And it turns out they are. And I'm Pretty fucking happy about that. Uh, like I said, well, I came back with episode four. It, you know, it's been—I mean, it's been a good two or three months since I watched um, the first one, or sorry, the, the first three episodes. So I was a little kind of like, oh shit, I get—you know—who who are these people again? Who's all this stuff? Uh, but then we just got to watching uh, episode five tonight, and this is the first one where Jennifer Tilly and uh, Fiona Dorf comes back, and. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to watch more now. Like, you know, that's what a show should do. I should be wanting to binge the hell out of it. But uh, I'll be honest with you, it was a slow start, and those first three did not do uh, the, sh- the the show any favors at all. But uh, no, uh, like I said, I'm five in right now. I'm digging where it's going. I think there's only like eight to ten episodes in this season, so I know we're either at the halfway mark or over the hump. But either way, uh, yeah, can't wait to see more. Please don't spoil it for me. I do want to watch it. Uh, take a drink. I'm sipping on a, yeah, sipping how I'm chugging. Uh, I got a little caramel macchiato action going on from Starbucks. Uh, gotta, gotta get myself awake. Gotta do the show for you guys. So, so uh, I introduced a new segment, the horror villain face off last week. And uh, the basic premise here is I go to uh, Steve Hutchinson's uh, website uh, where, you know, he basically, uh, he reviews horror films. Um, sorry, I'm trying to pull it up real quick so I can tell you guys about it. Uh, it's terror.ca. I don't know if you call that call or what, but terror.ca. Uh, the terror in question here is off his uh, Tales of Terror website. And uh, dude actually writes books too. In fact, I actually have one of his books. Um, this dude is the only person who has literally given uh, one of our films 
Unspeakable Acts, uh, an actual movie review. So I feel the need to plug his shit as much as I can because I, I definitely respect him for helping us out and getting more you know people talking about us. So thank you. Uh, Thank you, Stephen. So, uh, what I do is uh, I decide to you know use his site, and it's really cool because he has this random movie generator where you can just type, you know, you hit the button, and it pulls up a random movie. And I decide, you know what, we're going to use this as our basis for this, um, you know, horror villain face-off segment. And so this week, uh, even though one's not really a horror film, but I'm letting it slide because fuck it. Uh, and the bad thing is when you don't see these movies, I don't know who the villain actually is. So I had to look it up, and this is the case in this one. Um, so, anyways, uh, the first uh, the, the matchup we had this week is Machine. I don't know if he goes by the Machine or just Machine. Uh, apparently, this is the uh, actor in the snuff films from the film Eight Millimeter, uh, the Nick Cage thriller from 1999, I believe. Uh, I didn't watch it because I'm not a uh, I'm always torn when it comes to Nick Cage. I hate saying I'm not a Nick Cage fan because I love Nick Cage uh, in certain films. There are certain films that are just fucking brilliant, but then he also has a slew of films that are just garbage, and then there's just the films in between that I just don't watch, and unfortunately, 8mm kind of fell into this. So apparently, there's a guy in there, he's named The Machine, big guy in a gimp mask, I guess, who does the killing in these snuff films. Um... And I guess there's rape in these two. I don't know. Maybe it's like unspeakable acts. It may be like unspeakable acts. I don't even know. But anyways, Machine. Going up against Art the Clown from Terrifier. Uh, it seems like a no contest, right? I mean, Machine, who I'm just assuming is like a middle-aged man, just in a gimp mask, who gets off on, you know, hurting young people. I guess Terrifier, fucking clown. Art the Clown. I, I, I'm i going to say Art the Clown, but you know what? This is up to you guys. You guys vote for who you think would win between Machine and Art the Clown. Uh, you guys know how to do it by this point. Uh, if you're following us on social media, hey, bless you. Uh, you can go ahead and drop your answer over there. Uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, drop your comment down below. Uh, I know Spotify, I'll be having the uh, this, uh, fight up, so you can vote there. Uh, yeah. And if you're, I, I think Anchor lets you leave messages. I'm not sure. But if you're listening to anywhere else that you can contact us, give us who you think wins. Machine versus Art the Clown. So, uh, I revisited a film, sort of, in a way, um, this past week. So last year, I watched Escape Room, Tournament of Champions. Uh, I'm going to come out to say right now. Because I feel like I'm a filmmaker. I'm not a successful one. But I'm a filmmaker nonetheless. And I don't give a shit. You guys could steal my movie all you want. I don't give a fuck. Uh, but I, I watched the movie Bootleg, right? The uh, Escape Room 2. And but I didn't realize it when I watched it. That I didn't realize there was two versions of it. Because apparently when it came out in theaters, there was the theatrical version. But then when it came out on video, they uh, released the extended cut. And you know how it is. I mean, I think most horror fans out there, like me, you know, you always buy the unrated director's cut shit. And usually there's no real difference. They just extend some, you know, death sequences, maybe get an extra boob here or there. But for the most part, the storyline's pretty much intact. What I didn't realize was, apparently, in the extended cut, they just basically kept everything in the middle. And they just cut out and gave an alternate opening and an alternate ending to it. And they really changed the storyline around with these openings and endings. Like, they completely added, you know, these new characters 
with the extended cut. So that's the version I watched first and realizing, you know, remember, I didn't know it was an extended cut. So I, you know, I bootleg it, I'm watching it, and the one thing like, at the end of the movie, without really giving too much away, because I want, you know, I don't want to spoil this or anything, you know, I will say I love the escape room, the first one. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was completely fucking far-fetched. This, you know, I don't know. It, it is what it is. Uh, but it was still enjoyable. Like, I enjoyed watching it. We went to the theaters and watched it, and then we bought, you know, the DVD. I like it. So I was pumped for two. I think it had a good premise, you know, bringing back all the winners from previous escape rooms and putting them into a fucking tournament, the tournament of champions, if you will, and put them in our escape room. That's a solid premise I can get behind. The extended version, however, had this entire subplot of you meet the guy who's designing these, and then you realize that he's forcing his daughter, who he has trapped in a room, uh, her own escape room, if you will. I know, these are ridiculous. But uh, he's forcing her to kind of help him design these upcoming traps. And that's just kind of the thread. So when you know, we start off, we, we, we kind of get the origins of this. And then we go to the movie. And then at the end, you know, I shouldn't really say the end. Like the last third of the film, it's all like the the... the Characters from the you know our main story start interacting with this father daughter combo, and it just it, you know it, it ends the way it does. And I'll, I just remember thinking like, wow, like this movie was really good, except for this ending. Like I just I hated the fucking ending, right? So, anyways, as I'm you know, why I watched I don't know, someone else had a video about, it, but like I realized like that's not that's not the ending I remember. And so I had to look into it. And I was like, oh shit, I actually watched the extended cut. So, came across this DVD, uh, I want to say I bought it Black Friday, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but either way, I bought the DVD, and, because that's the thing, I may bootleg, but if I like a movie, I'll fucking buy it, I will make sure that that studio, that director, those producers get their cut of the green, if it's good, I'll pay for it, and so anyways, I bought the Escape Room 2 DVD, and I watched it, and certainly, yeah, the, the opening... To the theatrical version is way better because it's all about it's all about the main character. That's what I like. That's what I'm here for. Uh, they don't really explain about the end of the first one. They just kind of yada yada over it, but they go into you know right into this movie, and then you know once again we, we open up with uh, the main girl going to therapy. Like it's, it, it it definitely shows you the toll it's taken on our main characters. I mean I'm not saying it doesn't do it in the extended version either, but we get a little bit more here, and so I, I just like that better. But then. When we get to the point in the extended cut where our characters interact with the father-daughter team, here we get a character like a, a character from part one that we thought was dead come back. I'll, I'll say, I'm sorry, I don't want to ruin any more. But when they bring this character back, it's still hitting the same exact beats as the extended cut, except now it just seems... I don't know. Like it, it seems like it betrays the character a bit of who this character was that comes back, and actually, just it, I don't. Know, the whole ending just felt rushed. It feels like honestly, and, and as, as, so when this movie ends, like when I, when I finished Game Room Two, or sorry, Escape Room Two, uh, the second time, I felt the same way I did the first time. It's just like the endings suck. Like it's almost like they had a great concept and a cool middle. They just didn't know how to start and finish this fucker, and it shows because, like I said, both versions just. Ugh. Um, I don't know. Like I said, 
I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the, the, the game part of it, but like I said, just the endings were just. Uh, however, I mean, they get a third one. I'll be there. I'll check it out. I, I you know, I said I like the the franchise so far, but yeah, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Maybe I'm just I'm, I'm just kind of shouting out into the the void here, but I don't know. I I think I prefer the theatrical version better, but not by much. Not by much. I don't know. I think because I, I like uh, the character that comes back. I like the actress that plays the... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm spoiling more. Anyways, I like the character that comes back. Uh, or the person who plays the character. Uh, but that's about it, yeah. Uh, but Escape Room 2, you can... I don't know. If you're a fan of the Escape Room series, or just a fan of like, Saul-type movies, then I'd say check it out. But yeah, I don't know. The, the ending just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So let's shift gears, shall we? Uh, as you know, I am a part of the Retro Horror Academy. Uh, and, uh, we're going through horror movie by movie, year by year to figure out what was the best horror films in each given year. And, uh, I checked out another one from 1921. This was a Swedish film called The Phantom Carriage. And the basic premise is, uh, you know, the Grim Reaper, it's not really the Grim Reaper, it's not Death, but Death has like an army of Grim Reapers, I guess, that uh, pull these phantom carriages. And when someone dies, you know, it's the phantom carriage that comes and picks you up to take you to hell or the underworld or, you know, whatever. Uh, however, legend has it that if you die on New Year's Eve and you're like the last person to, you know, survive, you know, or you're the last person to die that year, then you basically take over the carriage duties, like, you know, you relieve whoever the, you know, who drove it last year, and you become the new carriage driver. Uh, what happens is, this guy, who's a bit of a piece of shit, uh, alcoholic, gutter dweller, uh, during a scuffle, he gets accidentally bonked in the head, uh, and it kills him, and he now has to come to terms with his shitty mistakes, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a Scrooge kind of thing, uh, or Christmas Carol. You know, he's kind of shown, like, you know, the error of his ways, past, present, and potential future. Uh, yeah, so that was the film. Here's the thing. When I looked when I looked into it and did my research about this film, I was really kind of surprised, like, this was considered a huge film, not just in horror cinema, but cinema in general, and it inspired a lot of people. Uh, I'm always butchering this guy's name. I can never say it right. Ingbarg? Ingbarg? Bergman? Ingard? I don't know. Fucking dude did Seven Sill. Uh, that guy, it, like, it completely is like his favorite film. He watches it like every, or he did, uh, every year, uh, once a year, every year. And it, it, the idea of this Phantom Carriage guy is what kind of gave him the idea of death in The Seventh Seal. Uh, and then Kubrick was highly inspired by this movie. Uh, so much so, in fact, that there's a scene that he uses in, in The Shining where Jack's got the axe and he's trying to, you know, take down the door to get to Wendy in the bathroom, or Wendy and Danny in the bathroom. Uh, there's a very similar scene in this where, you know, the, the main character, who's also, you know, he's an alcoholic, struggling with, you know, alcohol abuse and everything, uh, his wife and two kids are, uh, you know, in this room. He's locked in the other room, but he has an axe and he, you know, like a little hatch and he's like axing his way through. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, so for, for those alone, I mean, this place will definitely have its, you know, ranking in, in, in the hallowed halls of, you know, the Horror Hall of Fame or whatever. Or in our case, you know, eligible for the gold and silver or bronze skull, uh, 
in, you know, in the Retro Horror Academy. Sorry, um, I'm just trailing off here. But anyways, um, so you know, it's good for all that. And again, for its time, the effects are incredible. Um, we look at it now, it may seem primitive, but you know, it's the first time you're seeing like ghosts and spirits walk around and interact and, you know, move through walls and shit. And so, I mean, yeah, for all that. Uh, but for me, I guess my biggest issue was, A, it didn't really feel like horror. And I, that's, that's unfair in this era because a lot of these movies were never really strictly horror films. Anyways, although a lot of people are like claiming, it's funny because as I do my research, every time I, I watch a new movie uh, from this era, from this silent era, there's always like that one reviewer is like, well, this is the first true horror film. And it's like, okay. And then the next movie I watch, and you're like, well, this one is the first true horror film. And it's just like, son of a bitch, guys. It can't all be the first true horror film. Anyways, to me, to me the first true horror film is The Haunted Castle. Or uh, they call it House of the Devil. Whichever region you was in, that's the first true horror film. But whatever. Uh, but uh, this movie just felt very Sunday schoolish. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not religious. I've only been to uh, Sunday school a handful of times when I was a kid. But I remember they'd make us watch these fucking movies, like these morality tales. And usually it involves some kind of like totalitarian government who has, you know, destroyed religion. But, you know, a handful of Christians are left over. And, you know, they decide to keep being Christian, even if it means they're going to, you know, be executed. And just very heavy-handed in their messaging. And, like, they were all like that. Even the ones that weren't like that, it was just like... You know, the guy who does drugs and, you know, he messes up royally. and But it's okay because all the Christians in the community, you know, forgive him. But he just has to forgive himself and give his life over to Christ. That's what this movie felt like. It really does just feel like the phantom carriage, the the, the, the carriage, you know, the, the cab driver, I guess. The, the carriage driver. I don't know what you call him. The Grim Reaper, I guess. Anyways, he's, uh, you know, he's a former friend of the the main guy. And so... When the main guy, you know, dies and he's confronted with his, you know, former friend, he's like, you know, I, I led you astray and it was me that introduced you to alcohol and I'm so sorry. And anyways, by the end of it, he's on his knees praying to God to spare his family. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a tense scene because like how, you know, spoiler alert, I'm sorry, I got to go into this right here, but it's been up for over a hundred years, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but there's a scene, you know, where while he's dead and you know, he's already kind of, you know, he, he, he's kind of made peace with the fact that he's dying. He's going to take over. But then they go back to his, uh, his house and you find out that his wife is so miserable that she's going to kill herself. But not just that, she don't want her kids to be around this guy. So she's going to kill not just herself, but them because she has no idea that her husband's dead. And so he, she, he, you know, she's going to kill herself, kill the kids, uh, just to spare them from living with this asshole. And of course, He's there in spirit, so he's trying to, you know, you can't interfere, you can't stop her. So then he drops to his knees and he prays to the Lord. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like this feels just like a Sunday school film. It really does. Uh, I don't know. With all that said, it, you know, it is what it is. And I guess, you know, for inspiring so many filmmakers, you know, in the future, great. I'm glad, you know, once again, with The Shining Ben is awesome without The Phantom Carriage. I mean, Talk think about that timeline where Kubrick doesn't watch this movie and still makes a shiny. Would it still be as good? We don't know. So, I mean, yes, we are forever in debt to the Phantom Carriage. I'm just saying, uh, it's kind of a, a weak watch for me. But, you know, again, I'll give the devil its due. For its time, fucking incredible, I guess. So, 
All right, well, guys, that just about does it. Uh, I feel like uh, really the only thing that's left to do is to set up and program your whore double feature for this week. Uh, that's right. Every week, I like to set up a double feature for you guys uh, with trailers. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm the kind of guy I love watching double features myself, and I like watching trailers. So I just kind of came up with this, you know, way of like, you know what, get myself my own grindhouse style, my own uh, drive-in feel, if you will. Uh, watch some trailers, watch a movie, watch more trailers, and then watch a second film. Uh, your horror double feature. So this week's double feature, we're gonna kick things off first with some trailers. Your first trailer will be. The original Exorcist. Now, there's not a remake yet, so The Exorcist. Um, really sets the mood for one of the films coming in double feature. Not the first one, but the second one for sure. Uh, but The Exorcist, you know, it's a classic. Can't really go wrong with that. Uh, the second trailer is The Omen. Oh, there's a theme here. What are we hitting on here? Uh, the Omen is one of my favorite movies. In fact, it's one of my favorite movies. It's so much my favorite movie that I literally have 666 tattooed inside my head. Yes, I'm definitely going to hell and I'm okay with that because tattoo's worth it except it's bigger I didn't get the, I was going to just get a little tiny one like Damien has in it but uh, it was going to cost 60 bucks either way no matter what size it was going to be so I was like well fuck it get my money's worth give me give me the big 666 uh, yeah I almost lost a job over that actually uh, I'll go off on and ran on that for real quick uh, I worked at this factory in, in southern Indiana and uh, I was only there a week before I got the tattoo because I already had they was I was playing a tattoo on my birthday which was uh in May, and uh, the tattoo parlors were all about booked up. Like, I had the schedule out, you know, two months or whatever. And so I get the job uh, at this other factory in June, and I'm there for a full week, no big deal, and then that weekend I get the tattoo. I come back in that Monday, and it's a weird, awkward, hushed silence like, I'd walk into the room and people who were talking stopped talking. Like, it was the weirdest fucking thing ever. And I come from a household that, you know, I don't know, my, my, my parents definitely believed in God. We just didn't really preach it, which is probably why I'm so, you know, it was too easy to just turn atheist because it was just like, I, God had no, you know, semblance in our house, really. So, anyways, I never realized how people, like, how serious people took religion. I know that sounds like an ignorant remark, but it's just true. I just assumed, like, everybody was like me, was just like, eh. God could be a thing. Like, even when I was religious, I was just like, ah, God's probably real, but who cares? You know, I'm a good kid. I'm not doing anything bad. Should be all right. And then I went agnostic and then full-blown atheist and just kind of assumed the same thing. Like, everybody just kind of took it like I did. But no, apparently not because uh, instantly, I guess, so many people went in and out of the office filing complaints about me. Uh, they came to me and they uh, they asked me to fly out, you know, first, like, you know, what's with the tattoo? And I told them, I was like, oh, it's Mark of the Beast. 666, and I told him, I was like, I'm not, not a Satanist. I don't believe either way. It's just, I love the omen. I love the, you know, I, got, I have a, I have the thorn on my wrist, the, you know, the Michael Myers thorn. Uh, so yeah, I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a horror movie guy, and that's what the 666 is. And so they asked me if I'd be will, uh, willing to wear a hat or a headband to cover it up. And at this point, I didn't want to throw a fit. I needed the job. So I was like, sure. I guess it's one of those first signs that I'm growing up. Uh, I find out later that if I would have refused to wear a hat or a bandana, they would have fired me. And But it would have been for religious purposes, mind you. No, they would have fired me on the fact that uh, I'm causing a distraction at, in the workplace. So, yeah, I couldn't have gone back for, you know, 
refusing my religious rights. No, no, this this distraction. Uh, which I wanted to go in retaliation and be like, I'm distracted by everybody wearing their Jesus t-shirts, but you know, because that's the next. The, the next thing was the next day, everybody's coming in like wearing crosses and their Jesus, like 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 they weren't wearing it at all before. But as soon as I bob out my tattoo, people go into overdrive. Ridiculous. But I got back at them in my own way because I uh, I wore these headbands, but I'd write things on them. So like you know, first time I, I wear, I wrote nine 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 where the tattoo was. Like you can't get in trouble. And the funny thing is, no one, you know, they, they they told on me, but apparently that's not a distraction enough. So it's just like really. Anyways, uh, but yeah, I do like little simple math equations that equals six six six. But truth be told, most of the people who worked there didn't know math, so uh, it went over their heads. I remember right now, like I forgot the quote where the mark or the number of the beast comes from. It's like Revelations five eight or something like that, or. 813. I don't know, it's something. But I had that written there as well. And the funny thing was, they come and be like, well, what's that mean? And I'm like, well, you should know. You're the Christians that made me wear the headband. Uh, and then when break time rolled around, they go up to their car, get on their phone or whatever. They look it up and they come back and they're all pissed off. They're like, that's about the mark of the beast. I'm like, it's a Bible quote. Fuck, fucking fuck off. So anyways, but yeah, so The Omen, that's her second terror. There are one of a terror there. Uh, the Omen, uh, like I said, one of my uh, favorite films of all time. Uh, and then the third one, it's the trailer for the original Halloween because you can always throw a classic in there. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so the first film we're going to watch is A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Um, I am a huge fan of Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm, I mean, you know, it's one of the big three when I was a kid. Freddy, Jason, Michael, you know. And so anyway, this is one of the first horror films I watched when I was young. And honestly, the first one freaked me out when I was a kid. I watched it when I was probably 10, 9 or 10 probably, and yeah, it scared the shit out of me, the first one, the first one is freaky as fuck, they get more ridiculous as it goes on, as you all know, but that first one was scary as shit, so, I don't know, Always, like, you know movies that actually left a terrifying impact on me, uh, even if it was for a brief amount of time, will always have a place in my heart, so uh, yeah, I'm a, a big fan of Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you just can't beat it, so anyways, that's your first film, so then, after that, you'll have three more trailers, uh, the first trailer will be a Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. You know, you just got to watch part one. Eh, there's some trailer for part two. And then we'll follow that up with A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Boom, pushing down that Freddy on you. But then we'll end it with the trailer for the original Carrie. Another one of my favorite films of all time. And this is all going to lead into our second feature, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, bringing the mood down a little bit, getting a little serious. Uh, Rosemary's Baby is often called the horror film with no horror in it, really. Uh, it is definitely more supernatural drama, but god damn it, I love that movie. And I even named my kid after the Antichrist in that film. Or at least the name that the uh, Satanists gave the baby. They, they called him Adrian. Uh, Rosemary would go on to try to call her kid Andrew. Fuck you, his name's Adrian. And that's the name of my son. So, anyways, uh, recap your double feature. Trailers for The Exorcist, The Omen, Halloween, feature film, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and then the trailers for The Exorcist, or sorry, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and then Carrie, and then your second feature is Rosemary's Baby. So guys, there is your horror double feature of yeah for this week hope you enjoy it guys that's all i got thank you for staying up and listening to me uh yeah until next time